Thank you, Pastor Matt Voorhees is here with us for our first inaugural inaugural um, podcast for 633. Appreciate it, bro, for taking the time and showing up. Lord. Happy to be here, bro. Right. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. So, first time uh, recording a podcast. So Totally right. And we really thank Alicia for letting you come down here today. So Yeah, I had to schedule it during her nap time, but uh, <laughs> we, we worked it out. So... Well, um, awesome, bro. So the, the heart of uh, the young adults that, that I'm blessed to be a part of their lives uh, have asked that so we start doing podcasts and, and that kind of thing. So this is new territory for us. So we're, we just got done praying that God's going to show us grace on just the technical side of this. So, But the title of our, of our podcast series that we're getting into now is, is Putting Shoes on the Gospel. Um, and so we throw around that word a lot. And I, and I think that there's terms that we would refer to as Christianese, like you hear gospel and, and identity in Christ and these things. And so we, I just want to talk about these things today, but, but just unpack them in, in a real way. So if we might just want to reel it back and just start um, with, with the, the gospel, you know, you hear gospel and you hear people say, well, that's, that means good news. Well, there's gotta be more to it than that. So would you give us maybe your definition of the gospel or what the definition of the gospel really is. Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate the question. Um, it's one that I'm passionate about, uh, been a pastor and a youth pastor for a lot of years now. And, uh, I've asked this question of groups of students and, um, I've been convinced that there's a lot of fuzziness about what that word means. Uh, we call the first four books, the new Testament gospels, um, and so sometimes people think it's it's those specifically. But as you pointed out, I mean, the word just means good news. Um, and to understand the good news, you have to understand what the bad news is. Um, let me let me just uh, a helpful way for me of thinking through gospel. It's really the story of Scripture. Um, and the story starts off with creation, that God is a brilliant creator. He made everything. He designed it. It has purpose and meaning, and he meant for it to be good and to thrive. Um, and then an opportunity was given for us to obey, and we chose to rebel instead. And so we went from creation to fall, and everything fractured, right? So now everything that we see in our world as a result of sin is broken and doesn't work properly, not our relationship with God or each other or with creation. Um and then really from Abraham on, God is, I mean, it starts, he mentions, promises it in the garden, but really starts to fulfill it in the people that he calls out through Abraham, the Israelites, Moses, each, all that stuff, uh, ultimately culminating in Messiah Jesus bringing redemption. And, and redemption is, is God buying back and making new what was broken and lost. Um, and so God doesn't just again, wipe everything out and start um, over. Uh, he, he buys back, he redeems um, through his son, Jesus, ultimately through what we celebrate this weekend, right? Through his, uh, ultimately his perfect life, his sacrificial death for our sins and his victorious resurrection from the dead. Um, and so we've got creation, fall, redemption, but we are also looking forward to future restoration. What, what Jesus did at the cross 
right now for us, we experience in a, in a internal spiritual way, God transforms our lives. Uh, you and I could give testimony to how God's done that. And us personally, many listening will be able to do the same. Um, but, but we still see a broken world around us, but it's not always going to be like that. We get to Revelation and we see a new heavens and a new earth. Everything that is broken about this creation gets restored and remade. So when we, when we talk about gospel, it's really that story of the Bible, uh, the, the overarching story of Scripture, the good news that God is a good creator. We lost it because of the fall. He's redeeming us through salvation, and one day he's going to put everything back the way that it's supposed to. Um, I think that's a great way of, of kind of, I think especially in today's culture, talking about it not just as a, you know, kind of a trite, like, like a cross bridge diagram or something. This is like an enormous story that takes up thousands of years in all of human history, right? The gospel's huge. Um, but to bring it down to like a more personal, practical level, um, my theology professor had a super helpful diagram that just kind of broke the gospel down into three summary parts. Um, there's three aspects of the gospel. And this is this is what I'm thinking through when I'm wanting to invite somebody to trust in Jesus. Uh, first of all, you have the revelation of the gospel, which is what God has done. And that's that Jesus died for our sins and he rose from the dead so that we could now have new life. So you can see that our uh, our sin is taken care of at the cross. Our life is connected to Jesus, new life. Um, we, we receive the benefits of the gospel by responding. So there's a, the gospel calls for a response. It's actually a command, you know, to, to repent and believe the gospel, Jesus says. And so repenting is simply turning away from my sin and whatever else I'm looking to, to try and save me or give me my identity or whatever. Um, and I turn in trust in faith to Jesus, his death on the cross, my sins, his resurrection from the dead. And then lastly, the, the results that flow out of that are, I, I have assurance that my sins are forgiven. God's not going to hold them against me. I have the righteousness of Jesus draped around me. So he sees me perfect in his eyes. Uh, and I have a new life. I have a new community of faith. I have a new destiny, a new mission, a new heart um, that produces new desires that allow me to, to love God and walk in his ways. So um, there's, there's the revelation, the response, and the results that are kind of the threefold like summary that, I, that I'm thinking of when I'm having a conversation about the gospel. But I'll, I'll all fitting inside that bigger story of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Gotcha. <clears throat> Sweet. That's good. I, I like that. Um, and I've had conversations recently, too, with, you know, talking about heaven and hell with people and, and presenting the gospel to people. Then, then you find it tough sometimes that we are wanting to present the gospel to people, but these people are, are genuinely good people, right? And so maybe they don't feel they need a savior or this redemption or, you know, what you're talking about with the gospel. How do we, what, what's the lens on that? What's the actual lens on that? And how do we approach that conversation? I uh, really appreciate that point too, because uh, I think you're really speaking to a truth in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right? For by grace, we've been saved through faith. Uh, and it's not of our own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. And I think a lot of people feel like, uh, you know, 
if I measure myself against society, I'm, I'm pretty good, you know? Um, and, and certainly I wouldn't be sent to hell because look at how I compare to people around me. But um, I think we have to recognize that God doesn't measure on a curve. Uh, he doesn't measure by someone else's standard. He measures by his standard, which is perfection, um, which really takes out of the game any opportunity for us to be able to do that ourselves. The only person who is able to achieve perfection is Jesus. And the way that we get perfection in salvation is, is we don't uh, earn it ourselves, but it's a, it's a gift. It's what Jesus did at the cross enables us to be able to receive his perfect, perfect righteousness uh, as an alien gift credited to our account. But there really are, there, there are two ways to run from God. You can run from God by trying to be really good, or you can run from God by trying to be really bad. Um, and I think we all know, we, we all would expect the really bad part, you know, the, the people who just want nothing to do with the rules and, you know, flip God off and want nothing to do with them. Um, but you can also run away from God by trying to be good enough to where you don't need a savior. You're your own savior. You're the one who's going to make God owe you. Um, you're going to the one who's going to put God in your debt. And basically uh, you're a taxpayer, divinely speaking. So uh, you have rights and you can demand them with God. And there just is no such language or understanding in the Bible. But I think that's precisely what the Pharisees were doing when Jesus showed up and why he was so adamant that, um, they were leading people astray. So uh, I think that that's a really helpful distinction um, that, that we're that good people and not good people are all running from God. Um, right. Different ways. <clears throat> and, I, and I think I remember you touching on this before in a sermon and, and we almost have to reel back and recognize what the truth is, is that none of us are good. <laughs> which uh, I know is sometimes hard for a few of us to swallow. For sure. And I think even sure. in Romans 2, I would just read in my devotion not too long ago, I think it's 2.11, where it says God doesn't show favoritism, right? And I think that's – I appreciate that's what you're really touching down on now. So so the good news, or the gospel, if you will, from what, I, what I'm hearing is that we are taken out of the equation – and all we need to do is accept this, mm -hmm. this gift, right? Because I think over and over the Bible does show us that once we're involved and we have a law that we need to follow, we're going to screw it up, right, time and time again. Um, so so the topic, uh, kind of the nuts and bolts of what we're kind of getting to today is that we often hear, like, you know, finding your identity in Christ. And I know a big thing that's even in our you know, our mission statement at 633 is that, uh, you know, we're, we're searching, you know, with school and career and our relationships, our money, our status, like what we've accomplished and, you know, likes and loves and, and all these kinds of things that that we're accustomed to is, is what we're really grasping and searching for is our identity. Mm -hmm. uh, and I and I I've, I've done that my whole life. And I've, oh, yeah, I've too, struggled with that, like, ironically enough, for 40 years, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so could you explain to us, I guess, I don't even want to say layman's terms, but just terms that are going to make sense to us right now, like what it really means, like how, how is my identity found in Christ? And like what, is, what does that mean and, and what's the Bible tell us about that? I think that it's helpful to understand that identity is something core to being human. We 
we need to understand how we view ourselves. That's part of what identity is, is, is we're trying to, to search for and to figure out how do I view myself? And there's a lot of messages out there about how I should view myself. Um, if I, you know, look at fashion and movies, you know, I learn things about what people deem is valuable. And then I start to measure myself and my identity through those lenses. Um, and, and one of the things that I, I experience a lot in student ministry um, and, and experienced as a youth myself, right, was trying to figure out who am I and what what really brings value to my life and my existence and my being. And as, as youth, I feel like as we're moving from childhood to adulthood, in childhood, we're really, we kind of take on a lot of the identity of our family. Um, but then in, in our adolescence, we start seeing that there's other ways of living out there. And we start trying on different lenses to look through, to make sense of our lives and ourselves and our identity. And, and we can actually live in different worlds. I can be in a different world at home, a different world at church, a different world at school. I'm trying to figure out which one's real. Um, so I think that's the issue we're talking about. That's why it's so important uh, to uh, to students and young adults uh, as they're moving into kind of t- taking full responsibility in their lives and trying to figure out when I get there, what's that going to look like and which, which lens that I've been looking through is, is the real one. Um, and unfortunately I think that there's a lot of messaging out there that is from a broken world. Uh, and it's from a perspective of, of sin and brokenness that if we grab onto that, um, we're, we're viewing ourselves through a broken lens that distorts and refracts and doesn't quite give a clear picture. And so when I think we talk about finding our identity in Christ, what we're looking for is, what does God say about me? Who does God say I am? What do I look like through his lens? And I, and I think, so I think finding your identity in Christ is saying all these other lenses don't matter as compared to what God's lens says. I want to look through that lens. And I think that's a lot of what the Bible um teaches and instructs us in? How does God want us to think about ourselves? How does God want us to think about others? And so in, in a lot of ways, finding your identity in Christ, the process of that is, is a, a process we call sanctification or being made holy. Like it's, it's, my, it's my lens being transformed to more f- clearly match God's lens of me. Um, so I think that's, that's at least in principle what we're, we're seeking to do. I think there's a lot of specific things that the New Testament says, uh, God says about us that, that should inform our lens and our perspective. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, it does. And I, and I appreciate that because I know that, um, there's free. I know there's personally, I know there's freedom once you find and figure out this identity, because as I was grasping and searching and I was told by, by loved ones, like, if you do not own your own business and work for yourself and be your own boss, you you're um, you amount to nothing. You're not, you know. And so when you kind of have these pressures and these lenses put on you, I mean, by society, by your family, by your, you know, by your friends, and you're grasping at all these things. Um, once I was really able to grab a hold of that truth mm-hmm. and, and find that freedom in there, uh, 
there was nothing better. Now my identity is in Christ, and he, here's my vocation, or here's the path I go down. But first and foremost, it's in Christ. And I like the the illustration you brought up of the family is when we were first born and and we grew up, our identity is basically in what our parents are teaching us. Mm-hmm. So I feel like similarly in the same way when you when you accept Jesus and you're you're grafted into His family, that's your new search, as you if you will, trying to become like your father and, and Jesus. And I know in John, there's a, a verse that we hear a lot that the truth will like, once you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And I know covering that as a church, what comes right before that is Jesus is saying, once you abide in me, then the truth will set you free. Could you just expound on that for a second before I have a a follow-up question? On that, like, like, what does that mean? Like to abide, and then, and then that will be what sets me free. Well, I think, uh, I think it goes something like, um, I'm forgetting it now, but uh, the truth setting us free is in the context of of being disciples of Jesus. That that in in a relationship in which He is leading our life. Um, See, I think sometimes we quote that verse and think um, that truth is an enlightenment that gets me out of all of the like constraints of society so that I can really basically uh, find peace and freedom doing whatever I want. And that's what freedom is. And I just don't think that's what Jesus is saying there at all. Um, if you abide in my word, he says, you are truly my disciples and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Um, freedom, biblically speaking, is the freedom to live as I was designed by my creator in the beginning. This is where that gospel story comes in, right? We got to understand that we are creation. There's a creator. He designed us for a purpose. We lost it at the fall. Jesus comes back, bringing it again. He doesn't want to redo creation. He wants to restore us to what we were originally created to do in salvation uh, gives the 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 new life and the empowerment to be able to do that. Um, so so I think the the point is we we our identity is freedom giving in that we're growing we're being restored into what we were originally designed to do. Um, we get to, we get to do the things that we were made for. We get to love sacrificially because it blesses us. We we are freed up to give because Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Um, it empowers us to live the way that we're supposed to. So I, I don't know if that's quite what you were asking, but I think that's definitely part of what Jesus is saying there. No, mm-hmm. that's great. That's perfect. So, um, okay, we got a little less, a little less than 10 minutes left. Um, so back to, you know, our identity is in Jesus. Now I've, I've been told this before and I'm guilty. I say it to other people. I've said it to someone I really love just recently. Um, someone's, someone's fighting and they're struggling and, and they're wanting to get good grades right in school and they're studying and studying for this test and, and they fail and they're just, they're let down. They're defeated um, the, at their job. They're not getting promoted. They're not producing like they feel that they should, like they know that they're capable of. Um, and then you hear the statement of, well, you know, that's not, that's not your identity. Like that doesn't make who you are. And I've had it said to me, like I said, and I've said it, you know, to other people. And I don't want that to be like a trite statement. So, 
you know, and and I understand what the point is behind that. Like, like that's not what makes you and and your identities in Christ. And that all sounds good on the surface, right? But the brass tacks. When I'm in the moment, when I'm in the job, does this mean like I shouldn't try hard and and get good grades and, and strive to be successful? I mean, not everybody is going to be called to full time ministry like you or myself, right? So, how do I? like navigate down both of these roads successfully. And I mean, it's not bad to want to be successful and, and take and be a provider and take care of my family and, and have a good career and, and all these things. So where's the difference between, you know, my identities in Christ, but I'm also this successful business person, athlete, you know, so on and so forth. Where, where's the balance? Where's the successful balance in that? Yeah, I mean, God has wired us all differently. Uh, we have distinct and unique gifts. Part of the cultural mandate at the beginning is be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Like um, part of what we're created to do is to take the the disordered aspects of creation and and reorder them in a way that leads to thriving and human flourishing. Like I just. We've been in quarantine, right? So I was at home and have to hang out my shop. That's my office right now because I'm not coming in to work here at the, the church campus. And I uh, I just couldn't stand it. So we unpacked a bunch of boxes and threw stuff away and put stuff in a giveaway pile and reorganized and, and straightened everything out because um, that's part of what God has created us to do, to take disorder and to, to order it, whether that's in your business, whether that's in school, whether that's in your mind. Um, so those things are all good and we're created for that. We, we have this incredible capacity to create, to produce, to work. Um, and that's good. That's how God made us. I mean, God takes Adam, forms him and puts him in a garden to work. Part of the curse of the fall is that our work gets hard and and difficult. Um, in the new creation, we're still going to work, but but it's not going to be the kind of drudgery that that many of us experience. Um, it's going to be vocation, and it's going to be life giving, and it's going to be thrilling. Like like work is sometimes. Uh, if you're in the right spot, right job, right situation, uh, you can love your work. I think the identity issue is is really a, a worship issue. It's when, where do I find deepest satisfaction and value? And if it's in the attaboys at work, or if it's in what my kids say about me or think about me, or what, you know, what my spouse thinks or says about me, or um, what my teacher thinks and says about me, the grades I get, uh, the kind of, you know, school I can get into, uh, the kind of clothes I wear. Um, I think the problem, and none of those things I just mentioned are bad, but it's all about what's what brings me deepest satisfaction. And if those things start to become number one, and Jesus becomes number four, or even, I mean, number two, I, anything less than number one, um, our lives and our priorities are disordered. And so it's not, but I think that, and, and this is why I, I would, I say that and know that sometimes people say, well, it's not bad to, you know, do these things, but we got to be really honest about our hearts. I think sometimes like we say, well, it's not wrong for me 
to do this. But if we're being really honest, like that's what I care about most. And and the only person who can really kind of discern that between is between you and the Lord. And and I think sometimes God takes an idol in our life that really is providing our identity and he rips it out from underneath us because he wants us to fall so that he'll catch us. And we will realize that he is what we needed all along. Um, and not everybody's experienced that before. And uh, I, I know your story, Jeremy, certainly mine, um, God let me fall completely on my face. And the only person I had to turn to then was him. Um, they uh, Sometimes you don't know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And um, so I'm just, it, it, and it's really hard to, to engineer that. That's really just something that God has to do in us and, and teach us. Um, but it's always a battle. Um, you know, I'm a pastor. You know, you would think that like if there's any safe spot, you know, from you know getting your identities mixed up, it's being a pastor. But that that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, I derive a lot of identity from being a pastor and leading people spiritually. And I I know that if if God for some reason removed this from my life, I would have a huge battle of of I, I would it would be hard for me to have to come to terms with okay, what does it mean for me to find my identity only in Christ. So I don't want to pretend like, you know, I've got this figured out or that anybody has this figured out. Um, I don't think we realize sometimes how much we need some of the things in our life. Um, but again, I think God allows us to go through trials to slowly increase our dependence upon him so that our identity is more firmly found in him. I don't think anybody sh- this side of glory, uh, has a perfect grasp on that. Right. So, um, those are some thoughts about how, how, yeah. And I just think we need to be honest that um, we struggle with, with being okay with saying Jesus is enough. And right. I think that's better to have real spirituality in which we recognize that's a battle and a daily struggle rather than pretending like somehow that's easy. Got that mastered and it's a piece of cake. All right. <clears throat> I appreciate that. So in a real 30 seconds or less. Um, as, as our podcast we've titled putting shoes on the gospel, how do, how do I walk out of here and, and take what you said and, and really put it into real life. And I know like, you know, at home I can turn to the Psalms and, and pray through the Psalms or their scriptures. Like, is, is there something like, like a scripture that would be helpful if I memorized or a Psalm that would be helpful if I prayed for, through that just off the top of your head, that's going to help me with this identity crisis? You know, I feel like 2 Corinthians 5.17 comes to mind. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Uh, The old is gone. Behold, all things uh, are new. And that term in Christ shows up in your New Testament a bunch. um, And it's all about the fact that we've been united to Jesus by faith. And, and that's really at the heart of where I, our identity flows. So um, I, I think it's just a daily battle to recognize I, I'm not what my parents say, what my teacher says, what my job says. I'm what God says. And what God says to me in Christ, you are my beloved son with you. 
I am well pleased. And I think that's the battle to, to believe the gospel daily um, in, in every aspect of life. And it, it really does connect to every aspect of life. That's a great one. <clears throat> That's meant a lot to me uh, through my story and my process too in recovery, even letting go of the past and, and shame and these other things. So that's a great one. So again, if you want to pay attention, that's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Matt, we appreciate you coming in today, hanging out with us for our first um, ever podcast for 633. I think it went well. Um, so this would be what we're going to be calling episode one of Finding Our Identity in Christ. Thanks for having me, bro. Sure.